Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. My debut book, Manifest, Seven Steps to Living Your Best Life, is out now, and you can order it from Amazon, Waterstones, or any other major bookshop. In this book, you will learn absolutely everything that you need to know about manifestation. You will understand that it really is a self-development practice to live by, to empower yourself, to step into your light, to become the best version of yourself that exists, and to attract anything you want into your life. I cannot wait for you all to read it. And if you love it, please don't forget to rate and review on Amazon, Audible, or wherever you purchased it from. Thank you so much and happy manifesting. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. I am so excited for a very special episode today. We have the unbelievable Dr. Julie Smith in. And Dr. Julie is a clinical psychologist, an online educator with 3 million TikTok followers, and author of her debut book, Why Did Nobody Tell Me This Before? Today, we are doing a very special episode as we ask Dr. Julie to talk us through how best to navigate three moments in life that we will all experience at some point or another. Burnout, heartbreak, and grief. I know I am going to learn so much today, and I'm sure all of you will too. Hi, Dr. Julie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And I know you are so busy at the moment with the launch of your new book. How are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, uh, exhausted. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> enjoying the process, as I'm sure you'll kind of relate to. It's a it's a very intense sort of vulnerable time, isn't it? Putting your work out into the world, but um, enjoying the ride. I'm enjoying the ride. Oh, good. I'm so, so pleased. So we will basically just jump straight in. And I thought that today we could start with burnout, because I think that a lot of us experienced it, even probably more so during the pandemic, because there was none of that differentiation between work and home life. And, you know, there was and and I think it was just this kind of, you know, this never ending cycle of work and emails and always being on and available and on your phone. And um, I've definitely 
got to the point where burnout has really, really impacted me. And so I would love to get your take on firstly, what is it? What actually is burnout? How do we know we're suffering from it? And what can we do um, to prevent it from happening? Sure. So the whole uh, sort of concept of burnout started when people were researching in the workplace about sort of chronic stress and um, the sort of ill health that can come with that. So when when you see it sort of written in places, it's talked about in terms of, you know, the workplace, but actually... Um, you know, having sort of worked as a as a therapist for a long time, I've seen lots of people who experience the similar sort of symptoms of burnout outside of paid employment. You know, you've got carers and stay at home parents who who all can struggle with sort of chronic stress. And it's when really that sort of short term stress response that we have is repeatedly triggered over a sort of prolonged period without enough chance to rest and restore in between. So, you know, you might have sort of symptoms of, you know, changes in mood or a sleep disturbance, that kind of feeling tired, but wired thing. So you're feeling exhausted and emotionally drained. Um, you might have less sort of satisfaction in work that you used to enjoy, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, everyone is the expert on their own experience. And, and lots of people know when they're starting to kind of feel stressed, you might have physical symptoms you might have emotional symptoms you might notice that there are changes in how difficult your relationships feel and those sorts of things so um, it can be slightly different for everyone Um, but often it's a mismatch as well between um, the person and um, other certain factors that are important to our well-being like uh, control for example when if you don't have you know if you're in a situation where you don't have enough resources to meet the demands that you're faced with whether that be financial or through time and those sorts of things then that can cause repeated stress you know your, your stress response can be repeated um, repeatedly triggered over time or maybe that you you don't have enough reward for the work that you put in so maybe you you don't get back enough uh, financial reward to be able to then live into a healthy standard, or maybe you don't have the social recognition or acknowledgement of value of the efforts that you're putting in, uh, depending on what your work is, Um, or maybe a lack of community support, those sorts of things. So it's a whole, it's a quite a sort of complex layered picture that's different for everybody, depending on their circumstances. Um, But it's a huge, huge health issue because it can cause lots of uh, other problems with your physical health and your mental health. Thank you so much for clarifying. And I think you're, it's actually, I'm glad you kind of said that towards the end that it can affect our physical health so much. And, um, you know, I've heard a lot about our immune system being um, really compromised when we go through burnout. Um, How, how much of that is true? How, 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 how much can it really make us sick well it's interesting because uh, when I was researching for the book I you know and doing all this kind of research about stress and and the most recent research that's coming out and I found out them just the most interesting um study around that sort of adrenaline that you're carrying all the time so when when you're in a heightened stress response uh, the adrenaline that you're kind of living on um, also props up your immune system. So it gives you that sort of short-term boost. And, you know, you always hear these stories of people who work and work and work and work and work to the point of exhaustion. And then they go on holiday and they immediately get sick. And and mm. the research shows that it's because once you're, you switch off and your adrenaline drops, so does your immune system. And, and so you're then more vulnerable to getting, getting poorly. And, and so 
it, it's it's not a sustainable way of living and and also it kind of suggests that you know working to the point of exhaustion and having a two-week holiday once a year is is not a healthy way to live it's not a sustainable way to live um it's really about making some quite at times really difficult choices you know getting really honest with ourselves about um our lifestyle and whether it's essential and whether it's the way that we want to live or not. That's so interesting because it's really kind of saying, actually, it's not so much that while you're in it that you're getting sick, but it's the moment you stop, which is why you actually have to be so prepared for it. So for us, we can think, you know, especially I think when you've got that adrenaline, you feel you you mentioned that um, wired but tired kind of, you know, vibe yeah. that you can feel. And so at the time you can feel like, no, I'm handling it. I'm good. But actually, you have to be able to recognize that that might be the adrenaline making you feel like you're coping or that you're energized, that you can do it. But in actual fact, you're on this kind of high alert, high stress response that if you don't manage it at the time, will lead you to get sick at some point or another. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it, it's a bit like driving a car on in second gear on the motorway. There's only so long you can do that for before you're going to experience problems. And just because you're still kind of moving forward, it doesn't mean that that's a healthy uh, way to live in the long term. Um, and, and you know, you kind of sort of lights flashing on the on the dashboard, and you kind of think, oh, I'm okay, I'm still going forward, so I just need to keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, and then we ignore the signs but if we do that then we can lead to you know much bigger problems and really you know the research is quite it's quite frightening to kind of read because when you look at the the potential impact of of chronic stress over a long period of time it really can influence your health in a catastrophic way you know physical and mental health um, so it's an issue we have to take seriously. So for somebody that's getting these initial warning signs where let's say they're, they're not finding satisfaction in their job anymore, they're feeling more tired, they're just noticing that they are constantly saying, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling overwhelmed. What are the kind of things that we can, like actionable tools that we could take to help, you know, lower our stress levels and, and manage ourselves better so that we don't reach burnout? Sure. So I think it involves what sounds easy, but it's actually quite a difficult task of getting really, really honest with yourself and, and really, um, I mean, I like to do it with pen and paper. And that's why I've, I've included in the book, actually, some uh, what I call values check ins where you, you sit down and you kind of get a bit of a bird's eye view on your life. So you look at the different aspects of your life, um, the different parts that are important to you and in what way. And in what way it's important to you to show up in those areas of your life. And, and then you kind of look at, well, you know, how, how important is this area of my life to, to me? And then how much am I living in line with that? And sometimes what you'll find is when people, often this happens when people come to therapy, they sort of, um, you know, struggling with things and just not really sure where to turn. And then, and you get this picture of actually certain areas of my life are really important to me but other areas of my life have pulled me away from them. And, and so I'm not living in line with those values as much as I would want to be. And, and often that happens with burnout. You know, when we're really, really focused on um, something specific and we're, and we're not allowing ourselves the balance of, you know, taking a bit slower or, you know, allowing time to focus on our health and our well-being um, and, you know, physical health and family and connections and all of those things that all contribute to mental health and physical health, then we can find ourselves really kind of stuck. stuck. So I think doing those kind of little check-ins where you look at, okay, what is going on? What does my week look like? And why does it look like that? 
why am I prioritizing X, Y, and Z over my health? And is there, you know, sometimes there's a short-term issue that has caused, you know, maybe a family member is really, really sick and, and you're the person who can care for them and, and that's causing you lots of problems. You know, and that's a sort of short-term measure that you can't really control. But there are sometimes other other sort of lifestyle things where it's a, a choice of career that we've gone into um, that we're kind of discovering maybe this is not what I want or those sorts of things in those sorts of situations it can be really helpful to sit down and go right um, what do I want from all this and given that this is now my lifestyle am I able to change it within within the limitations of this career choice for example or um, you know what changes do I need to make and how able do I feel to make them um, so those are the sort of that's a, the big kind of overall stuff but then I think day to day it needs to be about understanding how stress works so you know, stress is an output. It's it's your brain sort of raising your level of awareness so that you can make decisions about meeting the demands of your environment. And when, you're, when your brain does that, it's deciding to give energy out. So you're giving out resources and that's okay, but your brain then wants something back for that. So if you're not getting something back in the way of nutrition or rest and replenishment, then you're, you're, you're running on, de on a deficit. So it's about how can I, if, you know, if, if this is the way I want to live, how can I put something back so that I can sustain it? So how can I put more rest into my week or more exercise or some or more social contact things that are going to replenish me and allow me to de-stress um which you know is easier said than done a lot of the time you know life is busy and it's full of demands and it's about i think looking at which demands are ones out of my control and which ones can i adjust and shift about and put in uh some some rest into the week so that i can uh, look after my health. Oh, thank you so much. I actually think that is so, so helpful. I really love um, how you say, you know, I actually think you make it sound simpler because you've said, you know what, you can, if you're going to have an energy output, because I think a lot of people might think, oh God, but I don't know how I could lessen my stress. But by the way you've said it is going, okay, if the stress is there and there's an energy output, as long as you make sure that you're putting back in, in these ways, you can help balance it. And I think it almost seems or feels much more manageable in that sense. Such helpful advice. So thank you so much. Yeah, well, I, I think it's kind of one of these things where, and I say this all the time to people in therapy and, and online, when I say, you know, it's so easy for me to sit here and say it, it's really hard to do because life is really hard, isn't it? And it's full of stresses that we can't control. And so it takes a really sort of a lot of effort to sit down and rethink everything and reevaluate your lifestyle and your goals and the demands that are placed on you and how you can sort of rejig the balance. And, you know, it's, it's not just all, you know, all stress isn't just chosen stress. Um, in, in reality and so it, it's not easy to do but if we can make some adjustments it can you know you can get that compound interest on on small changes over a long period of time definitely I don't know if anyone will find this helpful but I've started recently 
um, going like driving down to Richmond Park, which is about 20 minutes away and just going for one hour walks uh, every Monday morning. Obviously, I, I'm in the position where I can because I work for myself and I know this, that not everybody can do that. Um, but even just taking that time to have fresh air, to put that into my routine, I have found has helped my stress levels so, so much. Yeah, it can be something so simple, can't it? It doesn't have to be that you take up, you know, you do three hours of meditation every morning. It doesn't have to be a kind of, you know, uh, that kind of thing. And and especially, I mean, uh, for me, I, you know, I've got three small children and, and so um, it, it you know, that sort of getting up in the morning routine and it's, it's always busy. It's always lots going on and lots of, lots of people to kind of look after and stuff. Um, but it's amazing how something quite small um, can really change that. I mean, yesterday it was my first day off in quite a while because we've, we've got, you know, so much going on with the, the book launch and everything. Um, but we just, we just took an afternoon to go to the beach and we um I, I love rollerblading with my daughter so we just did some rollerblading along the beach and it was maybe it was maybe a couple of hours max but it changed my mindset you know mm. it was a, a completely transforming experience and it was just a short break you know you're just getting yeah. out into the fresh air um whether you're in near a green space or you know the beach or, or somewhere you know close to you that feels replenishing you don't have to be there for long to to feel the benefits of it totally thank you so much um and i think that's like i said super helpful Hello, sorry to interrupt your podcast. We didn't do that. It's just been magically done for us. We do a podcast, which I think you might like if you like this podcast. Our podcast is called The A to Z of Men with me, Chris Brooks. And me, Scott Robinson. And what's the podcast about, Scott? I mean, what we're doing really is giving you an insight, a delve into the male mind. We're going through the alphabet letter by letter. I submit a word. Chris submits a word and we battle it out to see what word goes into the A to Z of men. And you can get us wherever you get your podcast from. Just search for the A to Z of men. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello. 
So we'll talk now about heartbreak. Everybody, everybody has felt heartbreak or will experience heartbreak. And I think that I was really interested to talk to you about this because one thing that, you know, I think is universal is that when you go through heartbreak, whether it's your first one or, you know, maybe you've had a few and it's not getting easier, there is a real physical sensation attached to it where you, it really, it, it feels like there's this just this sinking feeling, you feel sick, you can't sleep, you can't, you know, there's all these physical kind of side effects from heartbreak. And on top of that, I think there is a real feeling that is not too dissimilar in some capacity to grief and that feeling of loss and mourning. And so I guess I just wanted your advice on what really is going on physically during heartbreak um, and how people can, you know, best navigate, um, you know, that challenge that comes with it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, you mentioned grief and it is absolutely a part of endings. Grief isn't something that just happens uh, when someone dies. It also happens, you know, other endings that that mean a lot to us. So it might be the ending of, you know, lots of people grieve, for example, um, if they have to leave uh, their career for a reason that they haven't chosen. Um, or the ending of a relationship, those sorts of things. So, and grief as well can happen even if you have chosen to end that relationship. So even if, you know, you've decided to end it, you still you still grieve because you you might grieve for the, the relationship that you had and the, and the person that you spent time with, but you also grieve for the sort of ideas that you had about your future that have now changed. Um, and, you know, there's a real sort of reset happening and a, a real adjustment to, oh, you know, life isn't as I thought it would be and how it has been. It's a sort of new reality. So there's this big adjustment to getting acquainted with that new reality. And and that fills you with stress, too. And, you know, grief is is full of lots of different emotions. And and so, I you know, I would say again, we were talking before about the idea of getting clarity on your values. Um, because often, you know, when people say, um, you know, they feel sad and, and upset and, and heartbroken after the ending of a relationship, even if they've chosen that ending. And, and I th- always find it so important to remember and keep reminding yourself that, that even when you feel that grief, it doesn't mean that person was right for you. Yeah. Um, it, the grief is a natural process that you go through. And so often it means just sort of reminding yourself of the reasons maybe that you ended the relationship or the reasons that even if you didn't end it, the reasons that it ended and didn't work out and, and that, you know, you can, you can readjust and look at, so what are my values at this point and what do I want for myself and what kind of person do I want to be as I face this difficult period of my life? Um, and, and that can give you a real kind of sense of, um, it kind of switches a few lights on on the road ahead if you see what I mean so it kind of enables you to to see okay well this is what I want to focus on for the minute and and there can be times when when you feel that you're thinking about that person all the time for example and sometimes that can happen when you're trying to block it out too so you know if you try not to think about something um it just keeps knocking on the door it just keeps popping in and I think when when our mind is is you know, when thoughts are popping in, sometimes it's because we need to just clarify something and process something. So I would say, give yourself time to think, really, really think it through in depth and 
maybe by talking to someone that you trust, or if you don't have anyone to talk to that you trust, writing it down, you know, expressive writing can be really, really helpful. So writing things down about how you feel and what you think and memories that keep coming up and trying to work things out and find an understanding of it all. Um, so that you can kind of step into and out of the grief, you know, when you have protected time to be in grief and feel it and, and try to work things out, then you'll find it kind of passes for a minute and then you're able to redirect on something else for a while, even if it's just a short time until you get reminded again, and then you might have to go through those feelings again. So it's sort of a stepping in and a stepping out of, of the grief. I find really helpful as well is um, something called CAT therapy. So it's C-A-T. So it's um, cognitive analytic therapy, which helps us to look at um, the patterns we can find ourselves in in relationships. So if you're trying to sort of understand, wow, I, I just don't know how um, some of these relationships are going so wrong, but it always seems to follow a similar pattern. Um, CAT therapy is great for that because it looks at the sort of style of relationships we had growing up and how they can be reflected in our adult relationships. And once you get that kind of bird's eye view of the patterns that you're falling into, you can then learn from that and look at how you can make that different next time. And so once you feel ready, you can then look at sort of learning from that experience um, so that you move towards relationships that you want to have and, and reflect kind of um, something that, that is closer to what you're looking for mm, yeah that's such such a helpful idea I love that do you think that there is and I just think in terms of people listening you think oh god but I've been heartbroken for years it feels like because there are some people who feel that they are still really holding on strong to those memories of someone that they were with a very long time ago and is there is there a timeline with heartbreak and if someone has been you know feeling like they're they're really missing someone or, you know, have those strong feelings for someone after such a long time. What could we say to that person? Yeah, I think the expectations of, of the timelines can be really damaging because then we're kind of setting ourselves up to feel like a failure because grief doesn't just switch off at a certain point. You know, it's not sort of certain amount of crying and then it's done. It's um, it, it goes on and on. And it's a wound that, that stays there. And I love this idea of the kind of you know, the, the, the wound is there and you build your life around it. The wound doesn't disappear. It becomes a part of your story and something that you can uh, grow strength from and learn from and learn to live. You know, it's, it becomes a part of, of your narrative, if you like. And I think sometimes when, when we feel really stuck with it and we can't seem to move on, sometimes that's when um, there's something to be worked through that we haven't worked through yet. Um, and, and often that's when people will maybe go to therapy after years of struggling with something. And, and then they feel more ready to sort of look at it in depth and work out what, what's keeping them stuck there. Um, and once you do that, you know, sometimes it's giving yourself permission to, to have that as part of your story that you don't mm. have to forget about it. Um, it. There might be, you know, certain things, you know, maybe it's traumas to work through, for example, depending on what that ending was, but um, it, you can you can then do that in the comfort and safety of a, a sort of therapeutic environment where it's confidential and you can say anything that, that you might not want to say to, to other people in your life. Um, so it can be really, really helpful, I think, if if you're really struggling to move on from something, uh, professionals know exactly how to 
how to manage that in a situation so that they can help you work through it. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. It's such a beautiful analogy of this wound becoming a part of you and a part of your story. And I think, you know, I, I think it's really important for people to, to acknowledge because I think often there is this idea of like self-judgment of why am I not over it, you know, and we're waiting for it to be completely gone before we move on. And actually it's not supposed to be, we can, we can move forwards whilst also honoring the fact that something did hurt. And I just want to ask just because you, you've touched on therapy and I think, you know, although it is a slight cliche, I think it is also quite true that, you know, over in, in America, it's very natural for people to talk about their therapists and that they're in therapy. And I think here it is, you know, people don't talk about it as often. I don't think, you know, people don't give each other recommendations. And one thing I found is that when I was starting my journey with, you know, therapy and having spoken to a lot of friends, the hardest thing is knowing where to find the right therapist because people aren't as open about it we can't get that word of mouth that you would with say where to get your nails done you know what I mean or a, or to go for a blow dry so you know and there are lots of people going where do I start so how do you know what is the right help to get you know because there's so many there's you know it's, whether it's counseling or CBT or a clinical psychologist or how do people kind of understand what's right for them yeah, I mean, it is really difficult. The way that things are set up, it's really difficult to sort of find, you know, I, I think my my initial thought there is is make sure that wherever you're going, you're going to somewhere with qualified professionals. So, you know, uh, places like the Healthcare Professions Council list um, qualified clinicians um, or the uh, BPS, which is the British Psychological Society, will list psychologists. And actually, um, psychologists are a good place to start, partly because they are trained in lots of different therapies. So that can be really helpful when, when you just go for an assessment, they can be looking at what options could best match your needs. Um, and they can also, you know, sort of almost mix and match the treatments, if you like. So if there's some, some sort of areas that you want to work on that would be benefit would benefit from using kind of certain therapies but something else that would benefit from another method then they can they can create a sort of tailored approach um or they can send you in the right direction so for me when I was um doing all my sort of clinical work the last couple of years you know if people would initially I would speak to people on the phone and and we'd have a bit, a bit of a kind of um, discussion about what was going on. And from there, sometimes I could work out even before they came for an assessment that it wasn't right for me, but I knew where they could go. Um, mm. and, and then I could sort of signpost them on. So, you know, for clinicians that offer a free consultation, um, even before assessment, that can be really, really helpful to make use of that and speak to someone on the phone for 10, 20 minutes. Sometimes then they can, you know, a clinician will always try to sort of redirect you towards somewhere that's going to be most helpful for you. Oh, brilliant advice. I really never thought about that, about going to a psychologist and that being, makes sense now, so much easier. It's such a better place to start because, um, yeah, like you say, they can recommend what is right for you because they know so many different types of therapies. So yeah. thank you. So lastly, I wanted to really ask you about grief because I've had a lot of guests on my podcast, you know, Generally, my podcast is we talk about people's three defining moments that lead them to where they are. And for so many guests, um, grief has been a part of their story. And I think that it's something that isn't, again, it's not spoken about that often. And I think it's so important for us to understand both for someone 
we're all going to experience it at some point um, or we've experienced it and we don't know how we should feel. And if and because there's this idea that there's a right way to grieve and there's really not, um, but also how to best support someone that is going through grief. Um, so I know it's a really broad topic, but I guess I just wanted to ask your advice on how one might best begin that grieving process or what advice you'd have for someone that's going through it. Sure. Um, and, and actually, it's interesting you say that because that's one of the reasons that I included a whole sort of section of the book on grief is because none of us kind of get out, you know, without having experienced that at some point, you know, um, we all have to go through grief and grief is a natural part of being human. Um, but it's historically been one of those things that people just don't talk about. And it was hushed away. And, and this idea of, you know, that I guess the stiff upper lip type thing where you, you just crack on and, and, you know, you don't share the fact that you're struggling at any point. And, things have changed a lot in recent years and people have, you know, the research into grief has been really, really helpful and that the move towards uh, it being more acceptable to, to go to therapy for your mental health, as well as, you know, going to a doctor for your physical health. Um, so, I mean, in terms of grief, that there's a researcher called William Warden who uh, sort of listed what he called the tasks of mourning. So he talked about, uh, you know, to, to, to mourn and grieve in a healthy way it involves at some in some level finding some some acceptance of the new reality whatever that be so le- finding a new way to live with this new reality which is really easy to say really really hard to do um, when you're grieving um, to work through the pain of grief so to find ways to have uh, experienced that and allow yourself to process it in a healthy way, a safe way. Um, third one is uh, to sort of adjust to the new environment in which that loved one is now missing. Um, so adjusting to kind of creating this new this new life and what that looks like. Because uh, sometimes that can be a huge change, you know, if you've lost someone that, that you lived with, for example. Um, and then to find a way to kind of keep that connection going. So when when you lose someone, if someone dies, for example, that's not the end of your relationship. You just have to connect with them in a very different way without them physically being here. So, for example, that that might be um, three things like rituals or um, memorials or visiting a place that where you feel connected and you can sometimes speak to the person or you know feel their presence and and um, feel that you're connected with them still or um, acknowledging how you know their life impacted on the choices that you make day to day and things like that so um, it's often balancing that that new way of connecting with them but also engaging in life as it is now um, today uh, without them physically being there so you know that they are (laughs) they're not to be kind of um uh, joked about they're, they're they're very big tasks and stuff that takes a long time to kind of work to and find a new balance um but you know it, it can it can be done and and it's really about sort of getting as much support as you can along the way and and looking after yourself through that process so that you can allow it to happen naturally and what about those supporting those who are grieving because I think as well you know with the this with the fact that we don't speak about it as much and and also because 
you'll never be able to experience how that person is feeling. And so as much as you can't really understand, and I think it can be really challenging for the person seeing someone close to them in pain who's suffering from loss or um, and knowing what the right thing to do or say is. And I think the problem with that is sometimes, you know, I'll often hear people say, oh, actually people end up not saying anything at all or they act really strange with me because they don't know what to say. Um, so what's the advice for people who have, you know, who want to support people who are going through grief? Yeah, I think... Um... I think it's a mix of the two that, you know, when you say about sort of not knowing what to say and um, uh, and not wanting to upset the person too. And there's this real sort of balance of judgment, isn't there, in any given moment. And and I would say it's okay to do both. You know, it's, it's okay to acknowledge the change because that person is living it. You know, you're not you're not going to remind them of something they're not previously aware of. So, you know, they're, they will be thinking about it pretty much guaranteed so it's okay to sort of acknowledge that that's happened and and to show some care and support and you know that you're thinking of that person and that sort of thing but equally if you're spending time with someone who is going through the grieving process it's also okay not to talk about it sometimes you know your your time with them doesn't have to always be focused on that and actually sometimes a bit of distraction can can be a welcome thing for someone who is you know, dealing with grief, you know, all day, every day, um, just having the chance to think about something else for a while can be really, you know, a massive support for people when it's hard to distract yourself. Sometimes, you know, a good friend or a loved one can, can know exactly how to distract you, even if it's just for a half an hour of doing something that they might enjoy, then that's okay too. And it's, it's finding that balance. And, and I guess if you're struggling with sort of feeling awkward or not knowing what the right thing is to say, say that, say, you know, I I feel I care for you so much and I want to say exactly the right thing and I don't know what it is. Um, So let me know if I'm doing or saying the wrong things. Um, You know, I'm here for you and I love you and and we'll we'll get through this. But, you know, let me know if I'm going off piste and, and I'll do what I can to support you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's such a nice that's so I can just imagine someone saying that I'm like oh that's actually the perfect thing to say to say that you don't know what to say and that you want to make sure you're getting it right um thank you so much Dr Julie that's been absolutely amazing and so so enlightening and so much actionable advice um before you go could you just tell us a little bit about your book and what someone can expect yeah so uh the book's called why has nobody told me this before um which uh got its name from from therapy really and the reason that I started on social media in the first place was um I was working as a clinical psychologist offering therapy and a lot of people don't realize that a part of therapy is educational so you learn a bit about how your mind works and how to influence your mood and stuff like that and what I found was lots of people who got that information were then pretty much you know raring to go they were empowered to look after their own mental health and saying variations of why on earth has nobody told me this before so um yeah yeah, that's when I started thinking right I want to make this more available people shouldn't have to go to therapy to find this stuff out because it's life skills. It's not therapy skills. So um, started putting it on social media and, you know, short form video is a great way to reach people, but it's not a great way to gain lots of details. So really the book has become a sort of um, a, a little container for all of that detail and those step by step. So I've split it into lots of, you know, the very human problems that we all face like grief and motivation and 
low mood and um you know sort of relationships and stress and all of those sorts of things so it's kind of split it into problems so that people can kind of dip in and dip out depending on what they're dealing with and say oh I'm struggling with this today what what would I learn in therapy if I was in therapy um so great (laughs) I love that yeah I mean because that's how I read books right it's hard to read a book cover to cover isn't it so um you know I like to be able to dip in get what I need and get out again um so I've yeah I've tried to put it in that kind of concept can I ask you really quickly how when did you start on social media because I mean I was like three million data followers isn't like huge how has that journey been for you and how quickly did it escalate Well, yeah, it's been absolutely overwhelming, right? Because I mean, before all this, I was one of those people that missed out on invitations because I never checked my Facebook and stuff like that. I was just never on there. And then um, when we decided to, oh, let's make all this education available and stuff. And we started to put a couple of videos on YouTube. And at the same time, it was November 2019. And um, my husband discovered TikTok and we were obsessed straight away. You know, all the dancing and the comedy was just really fun place to be. But I honestly thought I would be trolled out of there. There's nobody talking about mental health that would just be, um, you know, really out of place. But he convinced me to try. And so we did. And um, so that was November. By December, I think I had about 100,000 followers on there. Um, no. And I hadn't told anybody. And I thought, I can't tell anyone I'm doing this. This is so embarrassing. Um, so by Christmas, it was sort of getting out of control. And, and so we had to start telling our friends and family what we were doing in case they found us um, otherwise. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, you know, and I was getting it really wrong. You know, I had no lights or um, mic or anything like that. So the videos were really sort of terrible quality. But it turns out that people wanted to have this conversation. You know, people wanted to to find out a bit about how they could cope with how difficult life was getting. And and then once the pandemic began, um, you know, in that sort of December January time, and and then the first lockdown, um, you know, the numbers just just went out of control. And and yeah, now there's. I think over three and a half million of us across the platforms and, you know, um, on Instagram and things like that. So, you know, it just shows, doesn't it, what, what we're dealing with and, and that people are not okay. We, we want, we want the tools to be able to face how, how tricky life's got. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on all your success and thank you for, you know, therapy is something that I think Unfortunately, not everybody has access to for whatever reason. And I think that you are making it so much more accessible, you know, through the book and through, you know, your social media. And so, yeah, thank you. And thank you for coming on here and talking with me. I'm so grateful. No, thank you so much. It's so nice to chat with you for the first time. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.